0: The following is a Pro Football Network podcast. The primary voice for pro football at profootballnetwork.com.
1: All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Between the Hashes. I'm Ian Cummings here with Cam Miller and Tony Pauline. Guys, usually when you do a podcast like this, you you know, what do you do to prepare? You, you study the latest draft news, stuff like that. You, obviously, you got to watch tape to, you know, be informed when you're talking about these guys. You know what I did?
0: I watched Seinfeld. That's what I did. <laughs> uh, you know, I... I'm well, still I'm not I'm, I'm under the weather, so I basically have my concoction of water with airborne mixed in. Uh, there to you get- go. There you go. There you go. Whatever you got to do, right? You know, whether it's Seinfeld
1: or airborne water concoction, right? Whatever. Well, now I'm do. curious about where you are in Seinfeld. Did you start? I've only. I've been with one, season around, one, or no i've been i've been hopping around i only got to watch like two so i'm not at, i'm not at all at the level where i'd be comfortable recognizing your you know whatever it's called what the, the references or whatever but i have a feeling i'm gonna try and work through that so next couple of weeks i'll be a a you know an initiated seinfeld watcher we're gonna hope that that's the case in a few weeks but what was the last on uh, kind of stuff that you watched i watched the uh yeah, soup nazi that one ah. Well,
0: yeah. there's a lot with the
1: soup Nazi. I know, dude. I know. I figured that's a that's a highlight, so I want to hit that first. Make he's, sure he's right here. Point. Exactly. Yeah, you got it right there. So I want to make sure I hit the I hit the uh, you know the the top bullet points right there. But I've got a long way to go. <sighs> that'll that'll be in the future. Right now, let's talk about the present, and we got a lot to talk about before we get into the draft stuff. I mm-hmm. know, um, Urban Meyer. That was something that broke really late last night, like 12:30 a.m. Urban Meyer fired by the Jaguars. I know, Tony, you have some stuff on the state of the Jaguars with Urban being fired, Trent Baalke. Just tell us, you know, just kind of navigate that situation for us. What's the deal now that that move has officially been made?
0: Yeah, well, I don't know that I have anything, you know, now that the move that move has been officially made. I mean, go back to the story Sunday where I said that it was going to be sooner rather than later for uh, Urban Meyer. And, you know, I didn't even know he had been fired until I woke up this morning and I was still working the phones last yesterday. Uh, to get some information on the uh for the show today now some of it's irrelevant but it's still very interesting uh he was not fired because of the kicking incident the kicking incident just opened the door to fire him this early so it was not just the one incident as as i said in that article as adam beasley has reported as we talked about in the show what was it uh, monday you know there, there was just a ton of things and it was it was just a matter of time uh But there are still some very upset people over what's taken place since Urban Meyer stepped on the field uh, with the Jaguars. Somebody told me that they feel that Trevor Lawrence is three years behind because of Urban Meyer. Do I believe Trevor Lawrence is three years behind? No, but that tells you the amount of anger uh, that a lot of people have. The one interesting note that I found out yesterday is Trent Balky, the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who really pushed to bring Urban Meyer in was very vocal and behind the scenes trying to get him out the past uh, couple of weeks because that's how bad the situation is. Uh, so when he lost balky who was his number one supporter and really the catalyst to bring him in, it showed you you know basically it was at the point of no return. I guess the big interest, the interesting thing now is what happens with Trout Balki, the general manager. Do they keep him? Do they let him run the franchise moving forward? He survived a lot of pa- a lot of past uh, uh, times where people thought he was going to get fired, and he fi- finds a way to wiggle his way a- and keep his job. I-, I mean that it will dictate the temp- the uh, the tempo, if you will, the the atmosphere, the culture of the Jacksonville Jaguars moving forward. I find it very difficult to believe at this point in time that Balky is going to survive, since he was the number one catalyst that wanted to bring Urban Meyer in. There are people who disagree with me though yeah and i mean you look at it from all angles
1: like like you said you know you and adam have said people anyone who's connected has said this was an absolute train wreck from start to finish and you know it, like you said probably not three years behind i mean i'm sure you get the right coach in there that can help fix the damage that's been done to trevor lawrence but like it, you know there's going to be damage to fix that's kind of the deal with this and you look at balky you know who's a big proponent of meyer coming in you know, he's bounced around a little bit. You know, what was that? The 49 er then got canned there. So you look at that and you think, you know, do we want to tie our ourselves to this guy? when it might be better to move on and start fresh and maybe get someone who's more beneficial long-term. So going to be a good situation to watch in the future, but at the very least, they did the first thing they needed they needed to do, and that's cut ties with Urban Meyer, get him out of there, and reset. So we'll, we'll take a look at that. Cam, I'll go to you now. Before we get to the draft, we got one more little nugget. This is a fun one from earlier in the uh, week. We first were starting with the NFL. Now we're going back to before even college football, going to high school, the recruiting trail. Travis Hunter, the number one overall recruit, uh, on some platforms the top rated corner was originally signed to florida state and i know this is kind of a probably gonna be a touchy subject for you being a florida state fan but you know was originally signed there and uh, then ended up flipping his commitment at the last minute to jackson state joining hbcu college uh, headed by hall of fame corner deon sanders really exciting news kind of historic news so kind of walk us through how did this happen and what are the potential implications in the future
2: there's a lot. It's historic for a couple of different reasons too, which I think is awesome. Um, it, it does hurt as a Florida state guy. And I know the Florida state fans are still reeling. There's, I believe an active Twitter space going on with 10,000 people in it. There was, They're yeah. either asking for fire Mike Morvell or they're, they're discussing whether or not what, uh, what they can do to cheer themselves up as we get to Christmas here. But it's historic for the historically black college and universities, because he said in his post, his presser, his Travis Hunter did, that he's not going to open the door. Gone are the days that now you don't you go to the HBCU because you don't get the major offers. Now you go there, and he's going to help these kids get scouted, recruited. He's going to make these marquee games now. You're going to watch these to watch these top athletes play. You already have Shadour Sanders, Deion's kid, the Jerry Rice winner this past year for the FCS top freshman. So you have two players on Jackson State alone. They're picking up more and more transfers, too. So Hunter's decision to leave Florida State, go to the, one of the all-time great cornerbacks, and learn from him. I mean, when you say generational talent, that's what Hunter is. It's thrown around too too often, but I mean, this is a guy who's going to be the number one wide receiver in this class, the number one cornerback in this class, depending on where he classified or what he wanted to play at the next level. And if he's going to go play corner, then why not play for Dion at this point and make history in the in the process? So it's it's historic for that reason, and it's just uh, it signifies a change in college football and how we're going to approach National Tiny Day.
1: Yeah, and I know the NIL deal was kind of a big kind of thing that kind of tipped the scales for this. So you look at that. Maybe there's going to be a little bit more parity in that sense, where you know guys are going to go where those opportunities are brightest, and you know you, you know usually it's tied to those power five programs, the programs with more visibility. But you know, it, it all it takes is something like this to kind of start that dialogue for people, and maybe it's going to be a bigger option for highly rated recruits in the future. So another fun thing to watch, and I know watching that uh, that signing video where he tossed the hat and then caught the next one and then tossed the other one. I mean, he's got was, good
2: hands, right? Did you sign hat if you didn't catch it? Go watch the tape. He's got hands yeah exactly
1: like that you can take notes on his recruiting signing video like ball skills it's there you know you can see it you don't have to watch the tape for that but that was the biggest roller coaster of my life that shows I haven't had a very exciting life but at the same time it's it's a it was a fun deal and I'm excited to see where that goes all right now we can get to the meat of this podcast the draft stuff And I know Tony you've got a lot of stuff on deck to tell us about we're going to the draft news first let's talk about Arkansas safety Jalen Catalan Uh, there was some talk in November we didn't really know we didn't have a good but we thought maybe he would declare and now we know that he's returning to Arkansas obviously you know started out the season strong had some fans and but didn't quite tie his game together what can you tell us about what went into this decision and you know what he needs to improve on in the season to come
0: um you know as far as what went into the decision you probably have to pick up the phone and ask Jalen Kettle one I, I don't know about that but the thing is this you know, as we reported on the podcast in the past, he was giving signs all along that he was going to enter the draft. So something happened that he decided to go back, which is his best decision. I mean, there's uh, there's no doubt about it. it comes, he has a, an injury last year, misses half the season, very unpolished in this game. He's got terrific size. He's got terrific range. He looks athletic. But for safety to enter the draft or for an injury like that when he's only played half the season – I was surprised when I had heard and then reported that he was giving uh, indications that he was going to enter the draft. That that surprised me. This move doesn't surprise me.
1: Yeah. And like, you know, like you've said the way that he played you know down the stretch there are a lot of missed tackles you know with first safety coming downhill you don't really want that to be a, a red flag on your game and you know combined with the health you know it just makes sense for him to go back and there was a lot of people that liked him earlier in the year hi Matt. how you doing but uh, i'm trying to focus here man all right lay, lay off lay off i'm trying to focus but yeah i mean there were there were, he had some fans in some pockets but it just makes sense especially with this deep safety class i know this safety class the depth has definitely improved over the course of the year some guys have stood out so it just makes makes sense to kind of you know you can bet on yourself in a sense but when you can't sell high he doesn't have that opportunity right now it just makes sense to go back another guy uh, who does have an opportunity to sell high and has declared and recently we just we just got word on twitter that uh, he declared and he is joining the senior bowl roster the quarterback group carson strong nevada i know you had been on his draft stock very early you know talking about this guy as a potential future round one pick and now he's he's on the way there you know the, the tape the plans have been set in motion he's going to the senior bowl and he's officially on track so tell us about carson strong right now well, how are scouts viewing him and you know what can he do with the senior bowl to help kind of seal the deal
0: well you know as we reported here scouts really like him the big question about carson strong is that knee and the the injury that he suffered the significant injury that he suffered as a senior in high school he's got all he's a prototypical quarterback he's got all the great physical skills he is one of the best arm talents that I have watched in literally the past 15 to 20 years. He airs out that deep pass with, with speed, probably puts the ball a little bit too high in the air. He's got to work on his angles a little bit. He's not a true RPO quarterback, but he's mobile enough to escape the rush. I love the way he consistently challenges the vertical game. And as I said time and time again with Nevada with uh, Carson Strong, the Nevada offense really did him no justice, was really doing nothing to improve his game as a passer, that pistol offense that they ran an offense that really didn't focus or, or center around Carson strong enough when they should have. So entering the draft is the best thing and going to the senior ball is even better because he's going to be asked to play obviously with an NFL football, make NFL type passes. It's going to be more than just driving the ball downfield. He's going to have to throw a lot of outs. He's going to have to throw the receivers that he's not familiar with. Although two of his receivers or pass catchers, I should say will be on hand uh, in mobile. Uh, He's got I said in the during the summer of 2020, after his redshirt freshman year, I said he would be the next quarterback from the Mountain West to be selected in the first round. The opportunity is in front of him at Mobile. Then we'll go to the combine and that knee will really get checked out with MRIs and some real significant physicals and we'll see what happens at that point in time. Yeah, and that's,
1: we've seen that a lot where guys kind of, they're kind of rolling smoothly through the draft process. And then once you get to the combine, that's when they have the equipment on hand, they can really take a close look at that and see how it might impact their longevity. You know in their early you know their early availability so that's gonna be very interesting but like you said i mean the senior bowl is a great opportunity for him from a play perspective to definitely boost his stock and you know juxtaposing him with the other potential first-round quarterbacks that are going to be there i know malik willis kenny pickett desmond ritter are all going to be there so that's going to be a really great opportunity for carson strong to prove like hey I'm a tier above these guys, you know, we'll see if you can do it, but, you know, just being there, just having that invite in hand is a really big deal, you know, because a lot of NFL guys are there. It's the perfect spectacle to prove yourself. Now, those are the two um, headlines
2: Before we go too yeah. far on strong too, I wanted to say, I, I noticed a lot of people randomly, it looks like they're like box score scouts and they don't, they're, they're just knocking him. They look at six four two fifteen, And they say, Oh, this guy's just a statue in the pocket. Uh, if you go back and watch this tape, like when he actually has time and he has to maneuver in that pocket, He's an incredible athlete. This guy buys time in the pocket better than anybody in the class, better than maybe anybody in college football this season. It's been I mean, he's an underrated athlete. And I I think hopefully in Mobile, he opens eyes to that because I think that's what sort of it's not going to separate him from the rest of the class, but it's just going to make him realize he's got elite almost everywhere
1: yeah and like you, you you talk about i feel like there's two categories for that like he's clearly not the an elite creator like believe no. willis is or yeah. desmond ritter right he can't he doesn't have that brand of athleticism but in the pocket you know you just having the athleticism alone doesn't do you any good you need to know how to step into those rushing lanes you know you need to have you need to know how to kind of extend your time in the pocket and evade guys who are coming at you and kind of attacking those angles so being able to manipulate and manage your space in the pocket you know that's an entirely different skill in itself and I think Carson Strong has that, you know, not that elite guy off script, but at least has that ability, you know, and the mental dexterity in the pocket too to make the most of those opportunities. So I think a lot of people like to say, oh, the paradigm at quarterback is kind of shifting to more mobile guys. And that's true. It is. But if you have the mental tools and the arm talent to fit it into those tight windows like Strong does, you, it can help compensate for that for lacking that elite creation ability. So, I'm really interested to see where he goes because with this class, you know, it's there's no one running away with that QB1 spot. So, if a guy like Strong is really strong up top, pun unintended, you know, he could take the QB1 slot. So, it's gonna be fun. Uh, moving on, those are you know, let one. me
0: just say this you know, everybody yeah. talks about, you know, the more mo- the league is moving towards mo- more mobile quarterbacks, yet it's a pocket passer type with a strong arm who can evade defenders, evade pass rushers like Tom Brady, that continues to win. So they can move, you know, any direction that they want, but until, you know, you get a guy who can consistently beat Tom Brady, he's the standard. That type of quarterback is the standard. Even
2: when Ben Roethlisberger was in his prime, taking them to Super Bowls, that's what he was doing. He could maneuver in the pocket by time, but his arm was his strength. And so that's strong. Almost reminds me of Miami of Ohio, Ben Roethlisberger as well. Maybe not quite as athletic. If you watch that tape, there's, that big big Ben 58 yard run I yeah. think that strikes fear and other Mac defenders so it's a it's an interesting comparison yeah for sure and like
1: you, you hit the nail on the head you know it's not just having that athleticism it's being able to use it we've seen times this season where Malik Willis he definitely has that but he ran himself into sacks a lot right so you got to be able to use it the right way strong doesn't quite have that Willis athleticism but he uses it the right way more than you can say for most of these guys. So that'll be a fun juxtaposition to make now moving on uh, from the quarterback. Those are our two headliners, Catalan and strong, but we've got a few other draft nuggets to run through in the draft news section, starting off with a a couple cornerbacks from Washington, uh, Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon. Uh, Tony, what you get on these guys.
0: Yeah, we've talked about, we talked about this about a month ago on this show. I mean, both are expected to enter the draft. It'd be surprising if they didn't, uh, the range that I'm getting on their grades is anywhere as early as the second round to as late as the fifth round. That's what scouts think of them. Right now, I've got McDuffie as a third rounder, and I got Kyler Gordon as a late third, early fourth rounder. But those two guys will answer the quarterback, uh, cornerback class for the 2022 draft, add some more and add some depth to it.
1: Yeah, and particularly, I mean, they're both great athletes. I know McDuffie has a four, over 40-inch vert on record. I know Kyler Gordon was on Feldman's Freaks earlier in the year. So athletic testing is going to do good things for them. So you, you look at how that might inflate the stock. But, you know, that's kind of the range where I would have them. You know, it, yeah, I mean, I agree. Uh, football Brew, he does always have those inside scoops worth listening to. It's always nice to get an inside, you know, a finger on the pulse of what's actually happening. Because us as draft evaluators, you know, we can put a grade on it, Right. But the NFL always sees something different, and there's so much information flowing around. It's nice to kind of get that inside perspective. Let's get it from another guy. Let's get it for USC corner Chris Steele. This is a guy you don't really hear in the mainstream, but you know he's had some good seasons on tape. He, he's put on some good reps. Uh, what are you hearing from him?
0: Also, about 90% he's going to enter the draft if it's not closer to 95%. Big guy, over six foot tall. This is expected to run incredibly fast uh, during workouts. If he gets an invite to the combine, low four fours, high four threes. I had him as a PFA coming into the season. Got to do a little bit more work on him, but still, you know, you talk about the league moving towards big mobile, uh, moving towards mobile quarterbacks. We know this; they want their cornerbacks over six foot tall, and they want them to run, and that's exactly what he can do.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you look at that, and they're like I've seen sometimes he. He really flashes that physicality with his size, too, which you'd like to see from the corner position. So he's going to be a fun one. Could be a late-round gem at that position, or maybe if he tests well, that could drive him up a little bit. It's, it's a fun corner class and a really deep one. So I, I imagine we're going to have plenty more
2: nuggets to share in the next let few years. Uh, let me give a nugget video. on steel too. I didn't yeah. quite go into in-depth like I did last year for him because I covered USC last year specifically. Last year, though, alone, when he was the marquee guy that at cornerback, at least, they had Hufanga in safety who was making all those plays. But last year, he finished the year, obviously the COVID year, shortened season, especially in the Pac-12, but at sub-50% completion percentage into specific targets, having been able to watch every single game, too. No touchdowns allowed, four PBUs and an interception. I mean, there were times last year that watching him and doing tape study on just him specifically for pieces I was writing – my work was done because by midway through the second quarter, they stopped targeting him because they realized like, I, I'm not completing anything on him. I'm going to look elsewhere. So the game plans changed. So he's almost got that. At least it was last year. I need to, I want to go back and do it again this year, but last year, 2020, he literally changed off- offensive game plans and they started forcing the ball elsewhere. And it was just, that, I mean, he was that good last year. So if he runs those numbers and he's told me he's expecting to blow up whatever combine or pro day, I'm um, having talked to him last year and this summer too. He's expecting to, blow up the combine and, and set some good numbers for himself so i'm interested to see where he goes and where he elevates himself in the uh, in the offseason
1: yeah, and that's kind of something. It's kind of a double-edged sword, right? When you when you lock down your side so well that they stop throwing to you, because then so- sometimes the the casual viewers sometimes they stop looking at you, right? And then you don't really get your name out there. But you know that's that's production in itself for a corner is not having the opportunities to produce because you're sticking to your guy, right? That's that's all you can ask for from your cornerbacks. And from what I've seen from Chris Steele definitely has that and he's looked disciplined and instinctive on top of his size and being able to dish out that physicality so again it could be a sleeper gonna be really interesting to see where he goes one more qb before we move on to the senior world group we're gonna kind of kind of get uh, a bird's eye view of that entire group but caleb lb tony i know we talked about him last week uh we we were saying that maybe he was leaning toward entering the nfl draft any updates on that front this week
0: yeah i'm gonna say it's about 95 percent. i'd be surprised if lb goes back to western michigan uh, especially from what I've heard this week, I put out a tweet on uh, Monday or Tuesday about L.B. Then I got a bunch of calls. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's 100, percent but it's very close to 100. Uh, percent And a guy who I, in my opinion, is, is ridiculously underrated, spoke with people, uh, as scouts, anyway, as to why they didn't have him graded, and they said, well, when they went through Western Michigan, the scout, the coach, Western Michigan coaches were telling them lb's not entering the draft he's going to come back uh, for a uh, senior season 2022 which is kind of strange because we've been reporting on this show since september that he's leaning towards entering the draft so uh, really a, a guy he's not super fast as far as uh foot speed's concerned but you watch him play he he's got it going on between the ears he's accurate he shows the ability to, inc- to just place his throws where only his receivers can make uh, the reception Gets his passes downfield with speed. Had some bad moments uh, this past season, but also had a lot of real good moments. And At the top of his game, I mean, I have him graded as a third-round pick. I don't know that he's going to go in the third round. I think he should. He could go day three, but he's got a great upside and properly coached. He's going to be a good NFL quarterback
1: yeah i you know that's kind of what i've seen too you know not not quite a first round guy right but we've seen a lot of the quarterbacks that were expected to fill in that depth tier of this draft are starting to return back to school and kind of opening up an opportunity for a guy like elby to rise into those middle rounds maybe even late day two if a team really likes him you know watching a state you see the arm There's some there are these types of monument throws that you look for. You know, those opposite hash, you know, outside the numbers downfield, you know, fitting it into a bucket. He he checks all those boxes. He can definitely make those throws. So he definitely pushes the ball downfield. Has more than that backup arm. It's definitely, you know, could be a starting arm. It's just a matter of, you know, can he clean up the lower body a little bit? He's definitely a tough guy, you know, against Pitt and Michigan especially. Took some really nasty hits and just kept coming back. So, you know, having that poise from rep to rep is really fun. And, uh, you know, I think if he declares, like you said, could be a guy that people are sleeping on a little bit. Could be a guy that rises up and kind of helps fill out that depth. Uh, Cam, you got anything to add on LB? Have you seen some reps of him this season?
2: I just, I love the velocity that he puts behind some of his throws. He seems, he didn't have to put his whole body behind the pass, but he's zipping the thing in there. He I mean, there's some inaccurate balls to the short intermediate range that I'd like to see cleaned up. But I mean, some of those, when he's in rhythm and on pace with the offense, I mean, there's, there's few better. In college ball this past season and i think obviously some most of his skills translate and again the intermediate accuracy and, and short accuracy i want to see an uptick in but you know you can get that in, over time or in rhythm and, and offensive scheme changes so i i like what he's got and t- what tony said too i mean between the years he's got it and that's sort of one of the deciding factors for me a quarterback yeah the, the arm talent note is pretty
1: interesting too because like usually One thing you look for, one thing I like to look for when you're looking at arms and kind of judging how talented is their arm, do they put their entire hip rotation into it, right? Because you want them to generate that torque and get that velocity, right? But the guys who can still whip it without doing that, You know, that just speaks to how much natural arm talent they have. And like, if you can still generate that velocity unhinged from your lower body, you know, that's a big plus for you. You know, if you can do that, because there are going to be times in the NFL where you've got a rusher squeezing your hip and you're not going to be able to get your full rotation. Right. So if you can still launch it over and still complete that pass. You know, that says a lot about what, what throws you can make that the other guy might not be able to, right? So it can be a separating factor. So he's an interesting name. If you don't know him, guys, know him. Write him down, you know, on um, whatever you whatever utensil you have, whether it's like a whiteboard, a sticky note, whatever you got, write this name down because he might be a guy that you end up remembering later on.
0: So You, you know, the interesting thing is Western Michigan plays Nevada in the ball game. And, you know, we could have had Caleb Ellaby gets the Carson Strong. Strong has pulled out. It'll be interesting to see if Ellaby announces before his bowl game and what he does uh, if he de- if he decides to play.
1: Yeah, wouldn't that have been fun, man? I mean, just for the optics, right? I mean, Ellaby versus Strong. That would have been a great opportunity for Ellaby to, you know, maybe advance the stock and prove, like, hey, I- maybe I need to – I deserve to be viewed on the same tier as these guys. So, you know, that would have been fun. But unfortunately, you know, for LB, you know, because he had a little bit of a roller coaster year, some ups and downs, having one extra game against Nevada where they have some guys on defense, Don Peterson up the middle, you know, could be an opportunity for him to, you know, get another game of good tape on tap and, you know, help, you know, send off evaluators on a positive note. So that'll be a fun one. Uh, Who is the next Jalen Tolbert for you, Cam? I know, I know Cam is an expert on this subject, so
2: I'll let you take it away. So I don't have another Jalen Tolbert because there isn't any. He's a one of a kind guy. So <laughs> of course, let me uh, let me let me get some thought to this because uh, I'd have to pick my next sort of sleeper receiver out of the group of five or even out of the Sun Belt. So give me give me some time here. Let me let me hit the my my stat sheets. I got figure out who the next one is. that I'd be comfortable saying is the next Tolbert because
1: I know Louisiana receiver especially. Kyron Lacey. He stood out to me a couple times this year. Not a great producer yet, but I know a name to watch. I'm a
2: fan. I know who we're talking about, but yeah, give me a, give me a minute. Let's circle back. I I happen to know the. we'll we'll, we'll circle back at the very end of the episode. It'll be, it'll be something to help build
1: the suspense, keep the suspense, and then you can deliver it at the very end. But we, we still got our big ticket item to cover. So let's hop into that. And that's the senior bowl quarterback group. I mean, have you guys seen, well, I'm sure you've seen it. Right. But Mm -hmm. you know, those in the listening group, have you seen this group? we got Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Bailey Zappi, Desmond Ritter, Carson Strong. And you know, presumably, maybe Matt Corral. I mean, this is a group. You know, I I haven't been following it for long. I, I'm not old enough, but you know, from from my experience, you know, it, I I'd be hard pressed to find a group that has been more consequential for where the quarterbacks are going to go in the NFL draft. I mean, last year it was like Mac Jones, and then Kellen Mond was the next one up, right? So you know, the, the last year it was not even close to this one, where the implications for a potential first round draft. Capital it is much greater. So, Tony, tell us about this this quarterback group at the Senior Bowl. You know, what's just tell us, give us a guide through this group because honestly, it, it seems like every each of these guys. You know, maybe excluding Bailey Zappi, maybe he, maybe he's kind of reserved to that day two or day three range. But you know, a lot of these guys have the upside to maybe sell themselves to NFL teams and maybe break into round one, especially in a class that's this uncertain
0: yeah i mean it's going to be exciting it's going to have implications in the draft i don't know that these guys are coming in with first round grades i disagree with that and we've talked about that in the past but still you're going to be looking for something different with each quarterback i mean Kenny Pickett. It? it starts with the hand measurement it starts with as i reported last week the dislocated thumb you know how is he a is he able to make nfl passes within nfl football at the senior ball he's going to be required to do that how closely do teams look at that thumb and look at the hand and, and, you know, wh- what do they think about it? So that's a big thing for Kenny Pickett. Does he show the arm strength to make NFL-type passes? Malik Willis, I mean, he's going to have to be in a more refined, constricted NFL-type system. Yeah, he'll be able to run around a, a little bit, but he again, he's got to make NFL passes and he has to do so accurately. Bailey Zapp, uh, Bailey happy. he's a very good college quarterback. I just don't think he projects all that well to the next level. If he is a day three pick, it's going to be very late in day three. Uh, I mean, he's exciting to watch. He put up huge numbers this year at Western Kentucky. He put up huge numbers at uh, Houston Baptist before he transferred to uh, Western Kentucky. If, he's a, if he is a day three pick, it's in the late rounds. Um, I, I thought there were better co- other quarterbacks that probably could have been invited to the senior bowl. But still, you know, this will be a chance for him. Desmond Ritter, you know, Desmond Ritter's got to show accuracy. He can't scatter the ball. Desmond Ritter's got to show that he's not Taj Boyd. Taj Boyd, the former Clemson quarterback, went to the senior ball. Everybody was all excited about him. Basically was inaccurate throwing against air. What I mean air is when there were no defenders there. Desmond Ritter's got to show consistent accuracy, not just accuracy, pass placement. He can't have receivers leaving their feet to make the receptions. He can't have receivers adjusting backwards. He's got to do his best to hit receivers in strike. Receivers that he basically has never played with, although I'm sure Alec Pierce will be there. Uh so it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult for him, but that's what he's gotta show. Carson Strong, we talked about uh, you know, what he's gotta do. He's got the arm talent, but he's gotta make those NFL passes uh accurately. I think Carson Strong, the medicals and the interviews will be very important. They don't do combine type medicals at the senior bowl, but they will still do some medicals and look at the knee and check the integrity of the joint.
1: Yeah, yeah. So a lot to follow with all these guys. I see we got a question from VT and Anxiety. So we're going to get to this real quick and then Cam, I'll get to your thoughts on the entire group as a whole. But this is an interesting one. If Cincinnati runs the table in the college football playoffs, we know they're playing Alabama to start. And then if they were to win, theoretically, they'd play the winner of Michigan and Georgia. Tony, I'll start with you. Let's say you know, Ritter's been a guy who his development has kind of stagnated throughout his college career. Like you said, has never quite been able to get the accuracy down. And this will be one of the biggest tests for him, not just this season, but in his entire career, right? So let's say he looks like a whole different quarterback against Alabama, ends up winning the game, and then takes them to the championship, runs the table for Cincinnati. If he finishes that strongly, do you think he could embark on a unforeseen rise into the early rounds?
0: Maybe I mean the, the Senior Bowl will it, the Senior Bowl performance will dictate more than anything he does in the college football playoffs. Last year there were a lot of questions about Mac Jones entering the Senior Bowl. I mean you were there with me, Mac Jones. You know, it, was he a product of the Alabama system? Does he have the, you know the, the gumption to play at the next level? And Mac Jones during his three days of practice at the Senior Bowl turned a lot of skeptics like myself in his favor. Came out of the Senior Bowl thinking, yeah. Matt Jones is the real thing from basically what I saw the three days at the senior ball, going back to what I said, you know, with some of the other quarterbacks playing with basically receivers that were strangers to him, though it looked like he had been throwing to those receivers for years on end, never skipped a beat. Accurate, great pass placement, great timing. That's what Desmond Ritter's got to do at the senior ball to really elevate himself, uh, you know, into the early part of the draft. Yes. You know, the college the, the season was nice was is important. The college football players are important. But remember, the senior bowl is the largest gathering of NFL scouts in any one place at any one time before the draft. Because what happens is when you go to the combine, the offensive line coaches come in when the offensive linemen are there. The receivers coaches come in when the receivers are there. The defensive back coaches are there for the defensive backs. What happens at the senior bowl is you'll get all those coaches there. The receivers coaches, the defensive back coaches, the offensive line coaches, to watch everybody for all three days. So this is going to be the, the biggest gathering of scouts Well, for, for these players to perform at any point in time in the pre-draft process. That's why it's critical. That's why I've always said the senior bowl is a kingmaker. At no other position – I mean, it's a kingmaker at all positions, but unlike quarterback where you can really make a major rise of draft boards. Yeah, for sure. And not just, you know, the playing aspect,
1: too, but how the quarterback you know interacts with players that he's only yeah. just met. Right. Like that kind of leadership aspect is also big, how they kind of gel with that new group can be big for teams who are doing that character assessment. Like, is this a guy that we can bring into a new group and he's going to kind of take charge right away? So that's another very important aspect. Cam, I'll levy the same question to you. Do you think the college football playoff, let's say Desmond Ritter, shows it up and actually performs very well and actually shocks some people with maybe a win over Alabama or even a championship? Do you think that would be as consequential as the Senior Bowl, or do you think the Senior Bowl is ultimately king in this? Uh, I'll
2: oh, side with Tony, absolutely. Yeah. Um I would say he'd have to have lights-out performances against Alabama. He'd ha- it'd have to be something like a 21 of 22, and every throw is accurate and multiple touchdowns here and there. And even still, it's like, Maybe, the, you know, he just played the game of his life. And so if he repeats it against the Georgia defense, sure, maybe you start talking about how maybe he's he's up there, but let's see if he can cement it with the senior bowl. And I think that's ultimately where his season has boiled down to, his career has boiled down to. I still go back to 2019 when I watched him versus Dorian Thompson Robinson in Nippert Stadium. And I was taken aback by how inaccurate he was from field level. And this was before he was, you know, widely seen as a draftable prospect. He was just sort of this Cincinnati quarterback. Luke Fickle may like him, but maybe we'll see. They won the game against UCLA. And so they sort of turned heads, but it wasn't anything magical. And I remember being taken aback by how inaccurate he was, not only from that level, but also he just didn't have the poise and presence. And so I'm interested to see him in mobile among all these future NFLers and see what that happens. And it's it, a kingmaker, like you said, and we're going to see it's either going to make him a King and that's where his rise could come from. Or it's, you know, it's just, he is who he is and he is who we know he is.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's, it's one of those things like we've seen flashes from him for sure. You know, like, especially that Notre Dame game, there were a few very impressive throws that he made in a clutch moments to give Cincinnati some more momentum and help them get that really big win that ultimately led them to the playoffs. Right. But, you know, you need to see consistency from down to down. That's the end of the deal with Desmond Ritter, and especially against very good teams that can pressure you consistently. You know, that's when the mechanics start to fall apart a lot for him, and that's when the consistency starts to go out the window. So, for a team like Alabama that has guys on the front like Fedarian Mathis, like Will Anderson, uh, I'm I'm skeptical. You know, I would be skeptical. You know, saying whether or not we can expect this from Ritter. You know, if you're looking at probabilities, right? You can, There's always a chance that it happens, but if I'm looking at probabilities, I'm going to say it's a less than notable chance that Desmond Ritter pulls Cincinnati to a victory over Alabama. I think, honestly, and this is, this isn't me being pessimistic or anything. I'm I would love to be optimistic about it, but you know, looking at it from a realistic sense, I, I think that the pressure will get to him and, and cause those problems that we've seen from him for four years on end now. You know, it just so hasn't really progressed. The that pressure area. by the name of Will Anderson Jr.
2: Exactly, of that's no, literally who's exactly. to pressure. I yeah. Mean, Exactly. So the
0: fact, the fact is this: you know, they can talk about Desmond Ritter. Cincinnati's been a defensive team all year. Yeah. I mean, so if anybody's going to beat Alabama, it's going to be Cincinnati's defense that really has to lead the way. And they've got some really good defensive prospects on there, literally from you know potential late first round uh, guys to guys that are going to be priority free agents. So uh, you know, I, in my opinion or Cincinnati to win that game, it's going to have to be led by the defense, which has basically led them through the entire season. Yeah, exactly. Like, let's say
1: the defense does lead them to a win. Then maybe Ritter has a chance to kind of right the ship against Georgia. But, you know, usually if if we're looking at it from a realistic perspective, it's going to be that defense over the offense that's going to, you know, help stimmy Bryce Young and allow Cincinnati's offense to come back in. Maybe I feel like that's where it starts with Cincinnati. You know, you'd like to think that Ritter puts it together, but we just we haven't seen it yet. So what it, it's it's kind of tough to believe that we're going to see it with two games left in his career. So, Cam, going back to the senior bowl quarterbacks, we talked about Ritter at length. But uh, let's circle back to the other guys, too. Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Carson Strong. What are you looking forward to in this group? And, the, you know, what do
2: you want to see from each of them? I want to see Kenny Pickett throw the NFL football, not just like the actual NFL football. I want to see him throw that on NFL throws. I want to see him and see if he can drive the football like he's shown he can recently uh, this season. I mean, he's always been a gamer. He, he's going to win over everybody that meets him, he's going to win over everybody that talks to him and he's going to win over his receivers. And I mean, I think that's going to be a big influential factor in who he is. Cause that's just the kind of player he is. And he's the guy you want in your locker room. And so I'm just willing, I, I really want to see if he can put the ball in all these accurate places. I mean, he's throwing Jordan Addison open and that rapport that they've developed over the past, past three years has been maybe that's, you know, it's come to a head this season and that's why, you know, Addison's a Blitnikoff and Pickett's a Heisman finalist. And so I want to see, you know, it's that stranger aspect I want to see if he can throw open Jalen Tolbert I want to see if he can find some of the receivers that are down there or if he can you know hit them in space or throw them open specifically too so I mean I there's Pickett's probably the one I want to see throw the most I want to see if Malik Willis can stand there down to down and deliver accurate footballs to all levels of the field as well and not have to rely on his legs I mean he had to carry Liberty on his back on his right shoulder this <laughs> entire past season so to see him in just a straight throwing scenario over and over i want to see if he can deliver footballs back-to-back accurate balls uh and to me strong as well i want to watch the same thing i mean it's it's i'm watching the same thing for most of these quarterbacks it's just the subtle nuances of how each of them do what they do best and if they can replicate that in mobile
1: cool yeah and i'm I'm in the same boat with Pickett. like we've seen him make some impressive throws especially off script with the college football but with the nfl football it's a different game runs a little bigger and you know like you can you can say it's only a little difference from like a pure measurement standpoint, but it only takes a very little difference to throw off a guy's equilibrium. Right. So that's going to be a very interesting thing to watch. And maybe the double jointed thumb, I see some guys talking about the (laughs) double jointed thumb in the comments, but you know, maybe that helps him and kind of negates that concern. Like we talked about in the last show, but it's one of those things as much as you like, let's say you're a believer in Kenny Pickett. Maybe you want to say, Oh, it's going to be fine. Right. Or maybe you're a doubter. Like, Oh, there's no way he can be successful. You can't say anything definitive yet until we've actually seen it happen at the Senior Bowl. So that's something we're all kind of hanging on and waiting to see. And as much as you want to say something definitive, we just can't yet. And sometimes we just have to accept that and admit it. So I'm really excited to see that, really excited to see Strong operate in that offense. I want to see Malik Willis kind of have more control. Uh, Same thing with Desmond Ritter. It's a fun group and a group that can really rise their stock. If they come to play, that's the, that's the key issue for them. So I'm very excited. Definitely a lot more on the line this year than there was last year. Obviously Mac Jones, like you said, Tony made a lot of money for himself last year, but no one else was really in that round one conversation this year. It's so unsettled, you know, a lot is hinging on that. So it'll be fun to watch that. We've said that 10 times, but it's true. It will be fun to watch. So make sure you're watching it moving on to our final segment. So we got some bowls, some FCS semifinal matchups to kind of preview, and I know, Tony, you've got a lot of prospects in your head for this. We'll start with the FCS semis, Montana State versus South Dakota State. Uh, A lot of guys, and I know one guy who got elevated to the Senior Bowl recently. Uh, Can you tell us about this group?
0: Yeah, I mean, I had written an article about it uh, two weeks ago, or maybe a week ago it was, before the quarterfinals, so you go back and, and get all the names, but Montana State, South Dakota State, which I believe is a Friday night game, Montana State has an outstanding linebacker by the name of Troy Anderson. I mean, he is a big, nasty guy. 6'4", 235, 240 pounds. I'm told he can run under 4'6". I mean, he looks like a man amongst boys. He's a little bit stiff in coverage, a little bit stiff uh, moving in reverse. But he goes up against a real good backer, Pierre Strong from South Dakota State, named Pierre Strong. And, and Strong is a tough guy who does an exceptional job running downhill. He's got a burst. He's got terrific short area quickness. He is a sensational pass catcher out of the backfield. Really, the only thing that he doesn't do well is is he's not a good perimeter runner. When he tries to run east-west, he tries to run laterally, uh, he gets into trouble. But he is a smart ball carrier with outstanding vision. That's going to be a real good matchup to watch. I mean, can Anderson bring Strong down at the point of attack? Is Strong able to make Anderson miss? And how does Anderson do against Strong when he's matched up against him in coverage? Because... Pierre Strong is a next-level pass catcher out of the backfield.
1: Yeah, and that's going to be a full one. I mean, you can guarantee, you know, being a linebacker and a running back, you can guarantee that at least once or twice, and probably most likely more, they're going to meet in the alley, and one of them's going to have to hit the other. And then also, coming out of the backfield, it, as a receiver, you know, can Troy Anderson kind of clamp down on those routes and stick with him and, and kind of take away that outlet for the quarterback? That'll be big. So that's a matchup that I am very excited to watch. we got another one uh, with FCS opponents, the South Carolina State going up against, oh, shoot, who was it? It was Jackson, Jackson State. State. Yeah, and The there Celebration we go. Ball. Yeah, the Celebration Bowl. I slipped my mind for a second, but I got it. We got it back. What are you asking about? We talked about
2: Jackson State today. That's why. You
0: yeah. know, I, a couple of weeks ago, I, I had uh, put out a tweet, and I said that I, I think that Jackson State does themselves a disser- disservice by not playing in the FCS playoffs. If you remember Doug Williams, when he took all the Grambling program and really pulled that program out, of, out from the cellar where it was for years – First thing he said is, you know, the heck with all this celebration and everything. If we get invited to the playoffs, we're going to the playoffs. I wish Jackson State would do that because it'd give them more of a a national presence. Uh, But as far as this game is concerned, South Carolina State has a pair of outstanding defenders. Senior Jacoby Durant, cornerback, who we will see at the Shrine game. A little bit undersized, but he's feisty and he's fast and he's got outstanding ball skills. Going to be going up, I would assume, against Keith Corbin of Jackson State, the former Houston receiver, who is not the fastest or quickest guy in the world, but he's very productive. He's also a little bit bigger than Durant. Durant's problem is, you know, five nine cornerbacks are not in high demand these days. Then also keep an eye on South Carolina State linebacker, B.J. Davis. He was a guy who caught my eye off the spring film of 2021 as a guy who played in space, covered a lot of area. This year, they used him more up at the line of scrimmage and they asked him to blitz. And he did a terrific job. He is an outstanding prospect moving forward. Someone to keep an eye on, number 15, B.J. Davis. Yeah, and you love those linebackers to have that versatility, you know, where they
1: can provide value in a number of different roles and so you know having guys who come up and blitz and be a viable pass rushing option very fun very fun we're going to move on to some other bull games but first off cam real quick uh, i want to throw back to you Shadur Sanders anything to add on him i know he was a highly rated guy it was a big deal not not nearly as big as Travis Hunter coming to Jackson State but a big deal and he's a talented guy he's showing a lot i think he won player of the year was it, it was freshman of the year player of the year yeah. J- yeah. the Jerry Rice award so yeah. pass yeah. winners
2: chase edmonds now in the NFL Cooper Cup everybody loves his technical answers in the postgame interviews recently yeah. he's just i mean Cooper Cup is amazing i uh, and Cameron Ward the incarnate Ward quarterback who is our top transfer portal athlete who's going to be the next Bailey Zappi probably in the in the, in the uh, major FPS level so 3000 over 3000 yards 29 touchdowns six picks for Sanders this year they tried to reclassify him to play as a true freshman in what would have been his senior spring last year but because he played high school football they didn't get him he was unable to play in the spring season last year. I mean, they're eleven and one. Jackson State is. Their only losses to Louisiana Monroe. So they blew through the FCS competition. That was a close game, too. close game, twelve to six. He did yeah. throw an interception, but he also threw the touchdown. They defense probably allowed too much to uh, the Warhawks that probably shouldn't have allowed. on a UL team that was ULM team that was pretty terrible this year. Overall, though, I mean, Sanders is. We'll see. He was at one point the highest, you know, HBCU commit. In history, as a four-star, he was the first four-star quarterback to go to one of these schools. And then Hunter obviously blows him out of the water by being the number one overall recruit. But Sanders is—I mean, we'll see what's what happens with the rest of his career. I'm excited to watch him against Durant and Davis as well. See if he can throw the ball on some of these talented corners that we're going to see at all-star games and, and at the Shrine Bowl specifically. So he's got what you want as a quarterback at this level, and he's shown that he has it and, and can take care of the football too. So. Watching him in this game specifically and then watching him as he can hopefully maybe throw to Travis Hunter if uh, Hunter's playing both sides of the ball next season too.
0: Yeah, we'll see. So let, me, let me just ask this, you know, everybody talks about, you know, Travis Hunter, the great decision. I don't think Dion gets enough credit here because that's why he went there. And, and you know, if you watch this game, Jackson State's got a lot of real good defensive prospects that they are going to be playing on Sunday. I don't know how early they're going to be drafted. Niles Gaddy's a pass rusher. James Houston Florida transfer, who number forty-one. When he is on the field, he is a guy who creates havoc up the field, but can also play back in space. Uh, Coyness Miller, the defensive tackle. John Huggins, uh, fourth-year junior, safety. I'm reading off my list here. Antoine Owens, number ninety-nine, a defensive tackle, fifth-year senior. Don't know if he goes back, but that's a guy that no one talks about, a- and uh, he's a difference maker up front. So it'll be. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, like a, you know, a three-to-two game, because you got two real good defenses. <laughs> Uh, especially the Jackson state defense. uh, I think South Carolina state's going to have a difficult time moving the ball.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a fun one man. And you talk about the Florida, you know, transfer. That the FCS ranks can be a very good place to find those guys. Sometimes they fall out of favor at the FBS level and have to, you know, restart their careers down there and that can be a great place for them to kind of show out against lesser competition and, and kind that That's sort up. of
2: I think that's what Hunter changes too. That yeah. was the way to the FCS. That was the only player you got. Now you're getting guys that are top-ranked, top-flight recruits as well as those players. So all of a sudden we're getting a team's full of five-star, four-star kids. Some of them were committed. And signing their letters of intent. Others are transferring after they fall out of out of character with their major universities. But it's changing. And it's this is sort of the microcosm of it. This is the first maybe big game that everybody wants to tune into because Jackson State's the hot topic this week. Yeah, it's but they've been that way this whole season, though.
1: Yeah, th- this was the first one, Hunter, where, you know, as opposed like he had a choice to go to a Power Five school or Jackson State, and he chose Jackson State. So, how many others are going to follow? Again, going to be very fun to follow that. But we're almost running out of time. So, let's get on to our final two games. We got two games, then we're going to wrap it up here. But we got the New Mexico Bowl, which is Utah versus Fresno State. And then we got the Idaho Potato Bowl, Wyoming versus Kent State. Tony, I'm going to let you go off about these two. What you got?
0: You, you know, Fresno State and Kent State, the talk is always about the quarterbacks there uh quarterback who, who from fresno state who knows if he's playing who knows where he's gonna be playing next year keep an eye on jalen cropper the receiver underclassman may enter the draft super productive reliable hands not a true vertical threat but a real good receiver and everybody loves dustin crumb at kent state the heck with dustin crumb watches top receiver dante cephas i mean he is a guy who is a downfield threat he's a big play threat run after the catch type of guy who constantly produces whenever the ball's in his hands and whenever the ball is thrown to him, he catches it with his hands. So Cephas is a guy who I absolutely love moving forward uh, as an NFL prospect. Going to be catching a lot of passes. Uh, I, would, I would assume have a lot of passes thrown in his direction to him by Dustin Crum in, uh, against that against Wyoming in that Idaho Potato Bowl, uh, the game that introduced us to the blue field at Boise State years ago. Kent State
2: blue on that blue field. I'm looking forward to this one. I uh, Elvis Hines is one of my favorite players of the past – Decade. He's been there five years at Kent State. If you want to talk about guys that are experienced and total number of snaps and actual production, Elvis Hines is the guy that I, I've i loved as a college football player. And I'm excited to see if this is his final game, final football game. I'm excited to watch him play one last yeah. time, if that's what we get.
1: Yeah, he's a guy who, you know, he makes those plays and kind of draws your eyes. And know Wyoming, Chad Muma, also a guy to watch if he plays, but he's, uh, he's, he's a fun player too. I mean, I think he's a senior bowl guy. He's a very explosive, smart linebacker, so has some fans. And again, you know, there's a ton of prospects to watch on both sides. Even if even if it doesn't seem like it, you know, just look a little deeper. You know, as, as Tony was saying with those FCS schools, you know, there's a lot of talent that goes under the radar, that goes unrealized. And, you know, it really takes some extra level of attention to kind of get your hands on those guys. So Jacob Cowling at UTEP. Exactly. What? Jacob Cowling. Let's oh, go. I know uh, Hardison thrown to him this season. A pretty explosive combination at times. So that's a fun one too. You know, the, the more you dig, you know, it, it you're never going to reach the end of that list. So it's going to be a very fun watch. Uh, it's, it's, it's just going to be, yeah, we, we try our best, man. We try our best. It's it's a lot to take in, you know. Sometimes there's information overload, but you know, and sometimes you can't get them all live, so you got to record them and watch later. I know, but you know, however you can, just take in all the tape that you can because if you don't, there's always going to be someone who slips under the radar, and you know, you might regret that later on. So, but we do
2: our homework here, at Pro Football Network. <laughs> but Ian falls asleep. God. I think it's what we're oh leaning God. there. I thought I was going to get you'll, never, that, you'll never live it down falling asleep, writing the first round draft ga- grades earlier, uh, earlier this year. He didn't, he didn't say it. He didn't
1: say yeah, it. I got it. you. It was heavily implied, Matt. It was heavily implied. <laughs> okay. You don't get, you don't get a free pass for that, but I won't make that mistake again. I know if I did, it would be even worse. So uh, yeah. Thank you, Cameron for that, but You're we're right, going to sign you. off. This has been going, we've given Matt way too much screen time. So we're going yeah, to Mumfield just to answer
2: the, the Jalen Tolbert who the next, who the next one is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who's Adam next? Mumfield. He's okay, an Akron player last year tra- in the transfer portal, just like his quarterback, Zach Gibson, was as well. Gibson, 10 touchdowns, one pick for Akron. Going to Georgia Tech, likely their next player. Watch if Mumfield goes to Georgia Tech as well to follow his quarterback. Eight touchdowns. He's 6'1", 180. True freshman. I mean, this that's the guy. Watch Kanata Mumfield, wherever he line, lines up next year, wherever he transfers to.
1: There you heard it. Kanata Mumfield, the next Jalen Tolbert, which from Cam Miller is very high praise so keep that in the memory banks uh, but that's all we have for now we're out of time so for cam for tony for myself thank you for watching uh, go to pro football network for all of the best draft content we've got our underclassmen tracker where you can see who's going who's staying who's transferring we got our top 300 big board update coming soon that's gonna be a big one i know i've been watching a lot today for that one uh, and then there's a ton more draft scouts player profiles coming in The list goes on and on. So make sure you're up to date with the content that we got here at Postal Network and tune in next Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesday, me and Ali come back. And then Thursday, it's going to be this group again, firing off some good draft bites. So until next time, guys, peace out. Have a good one.